Support for this show is brought to you by Instill. Our friends at Instill really understand what it means to build and manage relationships in a holistic and human-first way. The platform's advanced UX design and real-time analytics, smooth donor management to make it easy for you to connect every supporter to the impact of your work. To learn more, head on over to www.instill.io backslash Mallory. When you are fundraising on a regular basis, what are those go-to questions that people automatically ask all the time, right? Why not put that in there? Welcome back to episode 9.5 of What The Fundraising. I'm your host, Mallory Erickson, and this podcast is for impact leaders and change makers who are looking to fundamentally change the way they lead and fundraise. Today is extra special because it is day two of our two-part series with Jamar Diggs, a YouTube marketing expert. In part one, we talked about how to get noticed on YouTube, aka how to find and hook new potential donors and partners. And now we're diving in to how to convert these new friendly faces into raving fans. Jamar helps service-based experts rank on YouTube and Google search so they can stop that content spiral hustle. With his corporate marketing experience, Jamar takes YouTube strategy and YouTube SEO best practices to drive more problem-aware people to his clients' offers. If you've already listened to part one, then you are hooked like me. So let's dive in and talk about how you can use YouTube to turn those new problem-aware prospects into funders fast. Welcome back to my conversation with Jamar Diggs. This is the first time ever I'm doing two episodes in one week because there was just so much that we talked about last time. And then we got off and we were like, wait a second, we only got really halfway through this conversation, right? We focused on how individuals, how nonprofits can really be attracting the right funder, the right kind of problem aware people into your funnel system or kind of donor access acquisition tools. And so we really talked about the education side of things, how you start to build community, help people find you because you're answering the right questions for them. And today we're going to really talk about how you convert those people to either being your customers, if you're listening as like a nonprofit consultant or for your funders. So Jamar, thanks so much for coming back and continuing this conversation with me. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me again. I feel like (laughs) <laughs> the first session was it was just so amazing. And I'm like, oh, we have to do another one. It would mean the world to me if we did. <laughs> Are you down with that? <laughs> and of course I was like, yes, yes, I am. Because I had so much fun too. So I have a number of questions, but I kind of want to just kick it to you to start, kind of bring us home from where we were last time to like, okay, So now these people know who we are. We learned a little bit about how we keep them on YouTube. So they're looking at some of our other content. Now, where do we go? Yeah. So now that we have all that done, right, that's kind of like the hard part, right? Mm -hmm. Getting that visibility, right? Like doing that the right way. And then now this part can be a little bit more easier, right? Well, I like to think it is easier, but I may be a little bit biased, but (laughs) um, this is going to be where we need to get them 
off of YouTube, right? So, so uh, we need to find a way to convert them into an actual like donor or onto our like sponsor list or, or whatever that may be, right? And so one of the easiest ways that I recommend is to get them on some type of email list, but then give them like a reason why they should be giving you their email, right? And so um, for some people, it could be an info sheet. For others, it can be a one-sheeter on like what you need to tell your boss in order to make this an actual sponsorship opportunity, right? So what are some of those things? What are some of those ways that you can kind of be that guiding light or like that resource for people to be your advocate without you being there? And so that content or that freebie, that download that then essentially captures their email in the process, that's related, I'm assuming, to the question that you're answering maybe in that education video. Yes, 100%. Yes. Okay. And it's okay to have just one or it can be satisfying different verticals as well, right? So maybe one is for the actual individual donor and then another kind of lead magnet could be something for people looking for sponsorships or anything like that, right? So you can so you can have different verticals, just like how typically you would want to segment your your email list anyway, right? Because after they get that that lead magnet, where we do want to still nurture them like in the email sequences, right? So we still want to deliver them accurate and relatable content that relates to what they opted into, right? So for a donor, let's learn more about the mission. Let's learn more about the impact. Let's learn more about like what we've done so far in the year, right? Here's how you can contribute too, right? Let's learn more about like some stories that have happened, right? And then from when it comes to maybe a sponsorship type of thing from like a corporate person, it could be something similar, but also maybe what is the impact on a larger scale, right? How does it work? What are some things that you need to keep in mind whenever you're thinking about, you know, X, Y, and Z? Here are our top months for contributing, right? Here's what what we need. Here's how you can support us, right? Are you looking to have this type of impact in, in in the community? Here's how it looks like, right? Give them that information. Give them as much ability to make an educated decision and give them the power to give that information to their decision makers. Mm. Okay. I love that. And I have a question that I've kind of always wondered, which is how should these organizations be thinking about the quality of the download? So like, let's say you're trying to capture their email to give them a freebie on something. I've done a lot of these things, right? And sometimes like the quality and, and, and I don't mean quality in terms of just like graphic design, but just like the quality of the content in there is so amazing. And then other times I'm like, I could have Googled this and I, it would have been what showed up right away. And so I'm curious, like as these nonprofits are thinking about making whatever these things are as they're capturing email addresses. And I I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but we talked last time about avoiding perfectionism, right? Like that we don't want to be paralyzed by perfectionism, but also what kind of level of quality should the resource have so that it feels like the donor then has a sense for the quality of their work. Mm-hmm. So this is a good question because we like to think of perfectionism as it being like it has to be a professionally designed thing if, if we do make it. But really, 
when I say like high quality or like some kind of like quality, it needs to be something of impact, right? It shouldn't be something that they can just, just find on Google, right? It should be something that in my head, I'm thinking, what is when you are fundraising on a regular basis, what are those go-to questions that people automatically ask all the time, right? Why not put that in there, right? Why not give them everything that that they need? Like if they want to support, give them everything that that they need to support, right? And then and then also have it be quickly. <laughs> this is one thing that I have seen sometimes, and I don't know if you have seen this, but I have seen some nonprofits make it kind of difficult to find the buy button, to find the donate button, right? And so mm-hmm. there are some times that where it could literally just, just be a like how to donate, how to get involved in X, Y, and Z, right? And then it's like all these different ways of how to get involved, but but that works two ways, right? It tells the donor what you currently do in the community, how you currently impact people. Here's how they can can impact if if they choose to, right? This is how they can volunteer. This is how they how they can give. And by the way, if you want to give, here is the link to give. Just press this button up on this PDF or up on this webpage or whatever it needs to be to give right? And this is what happens when you give. This is how much money goes towards giving. This is how much money goes towards admin, right? Mm-hmm. It could be a whole lot of things, but it can be visually appeal- like appealing and also like valuable at the same time, right? And that's mm-hmm. just one example of how one type of like resource could be as like a lead magnet. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. And I would even say, so for organizations where I talk about inside my program a lot, this idea of assets, right? So all organizations have all these different types of assets, and I really try to help them leverage those assets for the right types of funders to engage them. So like I'm thinking, you know, for an organization who has identified their volunteer opportunities as a strong asset, maybe they're making a YouTube video that's like, what's the right type of corporate volunteer opportunity for your company? company. And it talks a little bit about the different types of volunteering that's out there and then how their organization fits into that. And then maybe the freebie download would be, here are all of our organization volunteer opportunities. So then they would download something that shows, okay, we have this thing that works for this size group and we have this thing, which can be done individually. And so they would have captured their email when they were getting that download, but then they're also getting this really concrete information about the organization. Is that oh. how you would do this? Yes, I love that. That's actually okay. perfect. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm learning. I'm learning so much from you. It's amazing. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. And I hope for nonprofits who are listening to this, you're starting to put some of those pieces together too around, okay, so the education is this. This is what the people are going to be searching for to find that video. You're answering their question, but then you're sort of integrating the way that your organization aligns with that question in some way. And then the email capture, the sort of like second step engagement is then answering a second question almost that they might have about your organization, or maybe it's an educational concept as well, but it's something that you have uniquely created the content around. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm just like (laughs) in heaven right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no, that is 100% correct. I'm like loving what you're doing okay. right now. 
Okay. 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 Good. Okay. So why well, hope for, because I think for a lot of nonprofits, it's the first time they're thinking through what a funnel, you know, a lot of nonprofits don't have funnels set up the way that we have as service providers do, or think about their leads, even at different stages of development. So I think this has a lot is probably getting a lot of wheels to turn both in terms of YouTube, but just in general, how do you think about, you know, funder prospecting? So I love that. So can I ask you a few maybe more detailed questions about the type of YouTube content that this would coincide with? Yes, of course. So this is maybe like nitty gritty, but I have a feeling that it's going to be something that nonprofits are wondering about. Do you recommend that they're, when they're creating this content, that not the download, but the video itself, that they're doing it with slides or is them talking to the camera, answering a question sort of enough? What do you recommend in terms of the level of production that's sort of around these videos and when they should be utilizing visual tools or not? I have a feeling that that might be one barrier that comes up for this audience in particular. Yeah. So if I were to say like very, like very basic, because I like to keep things very basic so that there is not a barrier to entry, right? Or like any type of like learning curve that is too steep. So what I like to do like to recommend is just show up with your face (laughs) in the camera, right? Answer that question. But then if you need to provide more of a visual way to present certain types of information, don't be afraid to use Canva and a very, very easy to use video editing platform like iMovie, right? And all you are doing is just moving Like you're just choosing when you want that graphic to come over your face, (laughs) to like go over your Mm -hmm. face, right? It's very, very simple to where you just design the graphic or have someone like design that graphic. You put it inside your video editing platform and then you literally just drag it into the actual spot where you want that visual element to pop up. Mm. Right. Just keep it very, very simple. And then it moves on. I think that you even get to put like how many seconds you want it to like to like show on the screen, right? And then it kind of can can go away. I think just that type of like simple visual element is totally fine. And it does provide a certain pattern interrupt, which is like a really good way to increase the retention, like to increase the amount of people that stay on your video without going away from it, right? That's just one tactic to use. And so if you need to, and it does not cause anxiety or 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 it doesn't cause like you know anyone being afraid or 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 put them off sure it would be amazing to add that in there do you have to no but i do i do i would really recommend like a face to a camera though like not just like smile. yes Yes. Okay. I love that. And I know some people are probably like, oh no, I was hoping he would say that I could hide (laughs) because I I experience that all the time. Right. I'm like, okay, like, you know, should this webinar be live, you know, should my face be on there? And every single one I am on there, even though I'm like, oh, I wish, you know, I could just have the slides, but I get it. We want to connect with people and, and it keeps our engagement so much more real. And I love, you know, what you just said also made me think that as we think about that conversion, 
conversion piece, right? The like attract and then convert is that maybe the download is the more produced sort of content support. So it's like, here I am just explaining this to you in an auditory way, one-on-one with my camera. But if you want a step-by-step sort of visual of what I'm talking about, download this thing Yes, and give me your email. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that would be perfect. If they wanted the slides or, or if they want mm-hmm. like the the blueprint or the framework or the guide or the like whatever that is, they can download it in like the elite magnet, right? And and that's very, very common for for certain YouTube videos too, right? So for example, if someone's like explaining a concept, right? They probably have information that they can just download. Like if they have like a checklist or something, they have access to the checklist in the download, right? So they can just do that same thing. So this so this is kind of like the same concept. Yes. Okay. I love that. I love that. I'm curious to know, like when you see, I know you do a lot of audits, you know, of sort of people's YouTubes when you do, I think you do that as a part of your VIP days and probably, you know, all of your one-on-one work. And, and I was telling Jamar before I hit record that I will be hiring him to do one for me. And I hope everyone listening to this will too, but I'm curious, like, are there some patterns, like when you see someone really struggling to convert folks from their YouTube channel to, you know, their email list or, you know, here we're thinking about it ultimately that they're going to be fundraisers, but the first step to that is their email list, right? Maybe they're going to give right away. Those are going to be some really, really high quality funders, but a lot of folks are going to sit on their email list for a little while before they give, get to know the organization better. Are there some kind of blanket, like no-nos that you see that really hold people back from being able to convert effectively? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so here's what happened. There are a few things, but I think I, I think I had th- I had two that just popped into my head as soon as you said that. So the first thing is that they wait to the very very end of their video to ask for the money or to ask for the sale or to ask for the call to action, right? And that's very natural for us to do, right? Because like we want to serve or answer the question. And then at the very end, we want to be like, okay, now that I helped you, how about you help me? We have that kind of concept, but here's the truth of the matter is that we cannot expect everyone to watch our video all the way through. In fact, what happens is once someone has the information, the audience retention, like the watch time kind of goes down, right? At the very end of the video, right? So the chances are, is that they got the information that they needed and then they kind of go go away, right? So here's what I recommend is talking about it a little bit at the very end, like, like have these soft mentions that there are ways to give, right? And if they're looking for ways to give, the information is down inside the description, right? Like you can always just say that really quick thing. You don't have this, you don't have to make it so heavy. You don't have to make it so, you know, we're also having this fundraiser to where you can give, they're not asking for all that right now. You can totally do that at the end if you want. But if someone is like, oh, I can get like, you know, just answer that, that question and direct them to the description, near the beginning of the video, right? Within the first minute, right? Just talk about it very, very briefly. And then the second thing is that they don't mention it at all. They think that the video is enough. And if people wanted to give, then if they were called to give, then they would have clicked the link in the description, right? And so this is the thing to where it's like, this is where we have to take off 
our giver hat or like our like kind of like humanitarian hat and we have to put on our marketer hat, right? And we have to understand that when it comes to marketing, people have to kind of be told what to do. That's why we have these call to actions, right? That That's what they're called. And so we have to let them know what to do next, right? Because if they don't, then they're just going to be like, that was such a moving video or that was such a great explanation. All right, like moving on to the to like the next video, right? Like, cool, that's nice, right? But if there's no call to action in it at all, right? If you're answering this frequently asked question, right? Cool, that is amazing. But make sure that you are including those call to actions in there. So most of the time, whenever people, so whenever videos, YouTubers are not getting the conversions that they want, I always notice that they are not doing the call to action. They're not adding any call to actions at all. All they're doing is giving the value without structuring their video in a way that makes it very easy for people to know how they can engage with them beyond the video. First Tea of Greater Akron needed to switch from an outdated donor management system to something more user-friendly. With Bloomerang, they found that and more. Executive Director Josh Smith commented, We love Bloomerang. It saved time. It's helped us raise more funds. By investing in a donor database that they actually loved using, First Tea of Greater Akron was able to raise more funds and continue creating lasting change in their community. To listen to the full interview with First Tea of Greater Akron, visit bloomerang.com backslash what the fundraising or click the link in the show notes. Okay, I love that we are talking about this because this is such a critical challenge, honestly, for fundraisers in general, organizations in general. It feels like an ask. A big mantra of mine is great fundraising is not an ask, it's an opportunity. And I love what you said at the beginning about like, you don't have to make this some like big thing, right? Like I can imagine a bunch of organizations going on there with like 15 disclaimers before they're like, here's the donate button, right? But you're thinking about the beginning, like, okay, you know, welcome to this video where we're going to talk a little bit about child trafficking. And, you know, over the course of this video, I'm going to talk about blank, blank, and blank. If you are moved, I really want to invite you to go check out our website, da-da-da-da-da.com. And the donate button is right there. If you'd like to make a donation today that will help us blah, blah, blah into the content, you know, and then you're right. It's like a quick thing. There's not some big buildup and it's just a part of, I mean, the number of times I've talked to a nonprofit, I've looked at their emails, their weekly emails, monthly emails, there isn't even a donate button in there, or even a mention actually about them being a 501c3 nonprofit. I'm like, what are you doing? what are you doing? You're sending out all of this great content and you're not even giving people the opportunity to get involved, to to convert in that way, to follow a call to action. And that, you know, for folks who have been following me for a long time, I mean, that is the cognitive behavior loop. That action, that fear that you're feeling around putting that in there, that is based on some thoughts and beliefs that you are holding about what it means to give people that opportunity, to invite them in, to invite them to be involved I mean, I hear this with email. Well, what if people unsubscribe, right? Or what if people give you that little thumbs down on YouTube and we put so much weight on those things, right? Someone's not going to like it. You know what? Someone's always not going to like it. Someone is always not going to like it. But the people who do like it, the people who are going to take that step farther with you, they need that invitation to do it. So I, I love that you're talking about that. 
Yes. And I think, so this is one thing that I really love doing. I just had to search the right name for a quick second to give you this, this example. I like to look at other sectors at other businesses, other channels that are doing this very well. Right. And so this is how, like, I don't just come up with and just like, do it. You have to do this thing in order to do it. But like, there are other YouTube channels or other organizations, other companies that are doing this very well, right? And you have to ask for the sale. It doesn't matter how amazing the organization is. The fact of the matter is, is that they need donations in order to run, right? That is just what it is. That's part of the business. It is sales, right? It's sales. It's the equivalent to what a for-profit company is looking for, right? Like it's, it's, it's sales. And so what I do sometimes is I look at these channels and like, so there's one channel that I think does this very well and it's Elevation Church. And what they do is at the end of the sermon, and I think they even have it in, in the sermon some sometimes, but at the end of the sermon, they have this like after conversation, this like, I don't call it like an after party, but like, it's kind of just, just like, a talk afterward, like one of the pastors are like talking into the camera, really reviewing what happened, right? And then he casually mentions donations, casually mentions these things, right? But still giving value, still giving value, still reading what comments are happening. And so when you think about it, like how easy that comes to them, it's easy to them right now because they are used to doing it, right? It's just part of the business now right? It's part of it. They, they, they have to do it, right? If they want to still impact these people, right? It's just, it's just part of what has to happen. And I think, sure, it may be a little bit weird at first because you're like, oh, I'm asking for this donation, but you don't have to put so much pressure on it, right? There are people out there that want to give. You just have to give them the permission to. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. And sort of to that point about value, right? Is like, look, in order for us to continue giving the value that we give, that means that there needs to be money moving to support that value creation, right? I mean, that's how service providers operate. I always hope that I can provide 60 to 80% of my content for free. And then my business supports my ability to do that, you know, but if nobody, if I never sold anything, if I never had paying customers, no one would get any value. Right. And so that's the same thing for these nonprofits. You know, look, they're at that video. They've listened you. They found you. You answered a question of theirs, right? They're happy to be there. And maybe there's going to be 1% that the moment you drop that, they're going to leave the video. Okay, bye. But for everybody else, you have to sort of put a line in the sand if you're going to get anyone to cross it. Otherwise, you're like, where are these people in my desert, you know? And you don't even know how close they are to the line or how far away they are because you never drew a line in the sand. And so I think what you're saying is just, is so critical. And I know there are a lot of people listening to this too who are consultants for nonprofits. And I just want to say this too to them because I think that especially growing up in the nonprofit sector, when we are swimming in scarcity mindset, you know, I've heard so many providers in this space say, well, you know, I don't like to pitch hard or I don't like to sell hard or I don't. And what that actually means is they're never publicly offering their services, never. And I think it's just a huge mistake. One, because in 
doing that and modeling it, they actually would be setting a great example for the rest of the sector about, the, look, money movement is how the world goes round. So get in there, <laughs> get in the game. Yes. And so I love that you're talking about that in this way. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think that we get so afraid. You're right. It's like, it's a scarcity thing because we think about the money, but we don't think about the value that we provide. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just like, I know that so many people talk about like value, but like, that's a good thing because we don't get it yet. Right. We don't get it yet. Like Mm. when it comes to any type of organization or any consultant out there, we like, there are times where like, we may feel very afraid to kind of like pitch our services or talk about the cost or, or talk about anything around it, but it's because we don't mention the value, right? We go, we shoot right into the cost, right? Because we think that's what they are going to think. But what we don't know, we don't even open up the possibility that they have been thinking, I need someone to help me do this thing right now. We don't even consider that a possibility. We think that they're going to think too much money immediately. No, <laughs> right? And totally. And we have to challenge that thought. And like, even it's even happened to me, right? I, I had to work through that kind of mindset block, right? I had to make sure that I am interrupting that pattern as much as possible because I know that I have value to bring to this world, right? I know that I lead with impact, right? I know that I can help people. I know that I am on this world to serve people, right? I know that I have a skill set that can help people change other people's lives, right? And so when you believe that, you will not let your scarcity mindset get the best of you. You will shut her in that closet. Like, like let me tell you, you'll be like, go sit down somewhere, honey. I have work to do. <laughs> yes. The term I use for myself and my clients is pass the mic. I'm like, I don't know who gave that person the microphone, but get it out of their hands. And that voice maybe never completely goes away. But 100% when you are like rooted in your mission, it propels you right over that, that hump. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, this is something I feel like I deal with both in terms of my business, like what you're saying, kind of like coaching myself around different moments, even like when my prices go up, right? Like we get that pit in our stomach of like, am I worth this? And, you know, all those things, they're so normal. And then I also have really had to do a lot of work on my spending. It was so interesting at the beginning of COVID, you know, when everything was sort of locking down and, you know, here I have my own business and we have no idea what's going going to happen and no one's going to be able to fundraise any money. And we had some work that had to be done on our house. And my husband was like, should we just do it ourselves? You know, who knows? Like, you know what? And I was like, you know what? I am always talking about abundance and the way that our money needs to move with our values, what we believe. I cannot start acting from a place of scarcity, or that's going to start to surround everything that I experience in this world, you know? And I just, I believe that so fully every time I'm like, okay, I could bootstrap this, or I could invest in a person who I get to then support to do that for me. So I can actually focus on my zone of genius over here. And it's been crazy watching my business 10 X 
the moment I started to just operate that way, behave that way, believe those things. It doesn't mean I'm not scary writing a $10,000 check here or there for something. I am. It's terrifying. It's so easy to be like, well, what if I make no money next month? Right. And that's what I know these nonprofits are going through too. But the reality is, is like the tide rises to meet you where you show up. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things. I just want to say one last thing about, like about this is like, yes, we have to always believe, but then this also gives someone the opportunity to, to say, hmm, I know that there's value in what this person has to bring to our nonprofit. Well, what, what in our current marketing budget or fundraising budget is not working, right? Mm. Like, like, like what is not working, right? Like there may be some self-discovery there and like they would never discover that if the consultant never even approached them in the first place, talked about the value that they can bring, right? Because keep in mind, like, like when you are coming into that nonprofit, you probably are battling like, you okay, things that, that they've done in the past. But if they need help, something in their current toolbox is not working, right? And right. you are giving them the opportunity to self-discover and reflect on what tool is not working, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? 100%. I've even had discovery calls where somebody did not hire me. And I've gotten an email later, like months later being like, Hey, that discovery call, even the process of talking through that with you totally reframed how I thought about X, Y, and Z. And we did it. And we're moving in that direction, right? Because especially when there's an inner block, you and I both teach like skill sets also, right? So they're even as good as I might be able to be on YouTube by myself, there's wisdom that you have, experience that you have. There's no doubt that's going to increase my, you know, the way I show up on YouTube, right? There's just no question. But then there's also the inner block piece. So even just talking to you last time helped me get over that. You know, and I was like, all right, I'm doing it, right? Like we created, started to create the beginning of a YouTube strategy, started to look at some of our SEO metrics, right? And so I love that you're talking about that and just the value of just showing up and then inviting people to work more deeply with you because you are solving a problem that they have. And for nonprofits who are like, well, we're actually solving a problem for someone else. That is actually still a problem that they experience, right? Like climate change is something that I think about constantly. If somebody provides me with it, like we pay to offset our carbon every year, right? And when I went to go look for that, it was like, I am constantly thinking about my carbon footprint and I wanted a way to offset that. And so I think that, you know, nonprofits often forget because they're so deep in it and they're working in those issue areas constantly that other people are trying to figure out how can they make a difference there? Yes. Ooh, yes. Oh my gosh. I'm just so, yes, hundred percent. We have to, I understand that like, you know, we get so into like the work that we forget about the strategy, but that's why we either need someone to help us with the strategy or we have to kind of open up our brains, open up our minds rather, and like just start bringing someone in that can help us like with this certain skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I love that. And you had said something else about scarcity, that scarcity mindset piece that I'm trying to remember now, because I thought it was such an important point, but my mind has evaded me. This is something I am really interested in. I've started to like read a lot of research abstracts around the way that scarcity mindset 
changes our brain, even our decision-making. And, oh, I think something you were alluding to that I think is so important is like, what is the lost opportunity by not investing or not moving forward with something, right? Like what you were saying before about, we see the price tag, or we think they're thinking about the price tag, but it's not about that. What value are they not getting by not making that investment? And I think you have something there too. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I want to lead with a very, very short story. So when I left my job, right, my corporate job to do my business full time, I, (laughs) I was originally doing like my business for a few years before that. Right. But it was like as a side business. And so when I left this job, I was like, okay, what do I do? Like, I'm like, out here. I'm out here now. I'm out in the open. I don't really know what I'm doing. I know I need to fix my services, my pricing, all this other stuff, but like what, like, where do I start? And so I knew that I had to surround myself around the people that that can help guide me. Right. And with that came a price tag that I was not used to. Right. Mm. Because at that time, my prices was not reflecting that. I was like, wait a minute. What (laughs) is this? What what happens? (laughs) (laughs) And so anyway, and so, but I knew that I needed to change something, right? I knew something was missing. Like, like how I said before, my toolbox was not something in this toolbox was not working. Right. And it was great that they all had value, but something was not getting me to what my like end goal was. And so when I had invested in this coach, right, they gave me the tools that I needed to get my business to where it, it is today, right? And so if I had stayed where I was and, and just did not ask for help, did not invest that that scary amount, whatever it may be, right? I would not be where I am today, meaning that I would need to go and find another job, right? I would need to go and find another job. I would not be able to continue to run my business, right? Because I had no idea how to run my business like a CEO versus mm. it being like like my side gig, right? Because those are two different things, right? Those are two different modalities. And so I needed help with that. I needed help with understanding that. And so I had to invest in like my very first accountant, I had to invest in my very first like sales coach, right? I had to invest in like my first like marketing program to understand like, yes, I'm a marketer, but like, hold on, I need to understand like how it, you know, and you don't know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you don't know. And so it's like, hold on, I need to understand how this can all fit for me. Cause right now I have a lot of things running through my head. So it's nice to have someone that is just focused on me. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I'm focused on people's marketing. So anyway, I say all that to just say like, look, if we are afraid to make that investment, we, we need to keep in mind where we are today. And if we were to, to like not take any action, right. Mm-hmm. We will stay there. Mm-hmm. Right. You have two options, either go with the person or go with the thing that is whose like program promise or transformation is to get you to where you want to go or, or any closer to it, or you can stay where you are and continue to struggle or continue to not be happy with where you are, to continue to feel that one of your tools are not working well, but you just cannot put your finger on which one it is, mm-hmm. right? And that's a choice that we all have to make, but just understand that like it is a choice and understand like how hefty that choice is, is really, really impactful because you can either choose to move forward in whatever that goal is that you have. Maybe you don't get what, get 100% to that goal, but I will take 50%. 
Mm-hmm. Shoot, I will mm-hmm. take 40%. <laughs> Honestly, yes. then 10 years not moving at all or a year moving at 0% closer to it, right? And so I think it is important for nonprofits to understand, like when it comes to investing, it really is understanding the actual return on the investment, right? That's Mm. kind of what it comes down to. The ROI, what is the return on the investment? And then understanding, like literally understanding what that means, right? How is business without this person? And then how could business be with this person, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Yes. And I just want to drive a point home because I have a feeling people might listen to this and they're like, okay, what does this have to do with YouTube conversion? But actually a lot, because the way we got into this part of the conversation is that your behavior with money going out of your organization has a lot to do with your behavior of money coming into your organization. So you were teaching us about how do we convert on YouTube, right? How do you make that ask? How do you do the call to action? How do you get someone's email? And when we're talking about what holds organizations, what holds holds people back from doing the conversion part well. It's a one of the big ones was that they're not making the ask. And so your beliefs about your investment in things are directly linked to your beliefs about inviting people to invest in your organization. So if you're going to look at one of those, you need to look at both of them because they're actually the same set of thoughts and beliefs. They work together. You mm-hmm. cannot one without the other. You can't have scarcity mindset internally and then feel confidently asking others to give you money. <laughs> That's exactly. just not how it works. <laughs> exactly. But know what, you know, in 13 years of fundraising, nobody ever asked me to look at my own money beliefs, behavior, my own spending habits. No one ever had me pull that mirror up. And if I had done that a lot earlier, I would have realized that a lot of what was holding me back as a fundraiser was directly related to how I was showing up around money in all these other areas of my life. And I think like what you teach is like what I love about what you teach in so many ways is that I just feel like this strategy sort of, and YouTube in general provides organizations, provides individuals with kind of like every piece of the puzzle, but you have to take action at every piece of the puzzle. You have to put your face on that YouTube video. Okay. So you have to get over that visibility hump. You have to give them an opportunity to engage with your organization on a deeper level where, whether that's an invitation to give right there on that video, or there's a link so you can capture their email, but you do have to show up these ways, which brings me to something I was thinking about as you were talking. I'm curious about your, your thoughts on, I feel like a lot of organization nonprofits, and maybe this is true beyond the nonprofit sector too, just kind of start doing platforms because they're like, oh yeah, yeah, well, I listened to this podcast episode with Mallory and Jamar and now we're on YouTube. And so we're just going to make these videos. Right. And like, I watch these like social media, you know, Instagram things. And I'm like, but why are you doing that? Or like, where is that going? Or what's actually your goal there? And I think what you're talking about, and I love, because I believe all good coaches have coaches. So I love you talking about your coaches. And so like, what I'm thinking about is like, okay, but how do we help them also just kind of take that step back and say, yeah, it's not just about throwing random content, like spaghetti on a wall. It's about having a strategy, identifying the platform that's right for your organization, and then showing up there with intentionality towards a specific goal. Uh, Yes. Like, I think what happens is they see other organizations, because this happens across all companies, all individuals, all all companies because, and this is um, why I have like a segment whenever I teach called like positioning, because it can be different for different 
nonprofits different for all businesses, right? Like what is the end goal, right? What is your end goal? Mm. Do you need more volunteers or do you need more, more donors, right? Or do you need more corporate sponsorships? Like what, what is that mix that you need, right? And it's different for other people, which is why you just can't go to another nonprofit's YouTube channel and just say, oh, I'm going to do what they're doing right? Because they may have a different strategy. And I use this example a lot whenever it comes to coaches too, right? Where it's like, okay, one coach sells meal plans, other one sells one-on-one coaching. They're both posting about something different because the end goal is different, right? They can't copy each other. Otherwise, they're going to get a lot of people who want meal plans, but they're doing one-on-one coaching. And they're like, wait a minute, I don't want to sell meal plans, right? (laughs) And then the person's Mm -hmm. like, well, well, why are you posting this content that's making me want to buy a meal plan from you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the issue. And, And so that's kind of like the same way, right? So if you are a nonprofit and you're, and, and say, for example, you're getting, I don't know, like maybe more donations, but like, you don't have that many people volunteering. Let's just say, Mm, for example, mm -hmm. right? Like there's like not a good balance, right? And you're like, well, I'm keep on doing the the strategy that that this one org is doing, but (laughs) it's just giving me more donations, but like no one really knows how to participate. They just know that the only way that, that they know to give is through money, but you're saying, well, we need people to show up in the community But you're not saying that, right? Because you're copying another YouTube channel strategy, right? Because they're probably really good on on volunteers. They're just Mm -hmm. fine, right? Mm -hmm. But what they need is more donors, right? People are giving their time, but they're not giving their money, right? And so so you just can't copy that, right? And and so that's kind of, does that make sense? Like they have to have their own strategy that makes sense for them, right? And then you have to look at it and and look at your KPIs, look at your key performance indicators and say, okay, cool. Is this working? Are we just getting more increase on volunteering? I would like more donations. How do we do that, right? What are the highest engaging videos, right? What are the downloads that are happening from them? And then maybe we need to be making more of these videos instead of these videos, right? It should be an ever-changing strategy that we can collect data from so that we can pivot the strategy when needed right Mm -hmm. so a strategy is something like it's a game plan right Mm -hmm. it's not just shooting from the hip and and that's not to say that I say oh change your strategy after every single video that you make it's like no 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 no. give your strategy some time to work gather some data and then let's make appropriate assessments of what to do next Mm mm-hmm Yeah, I love that because I think for organizations, like for them to start putting some content out with different types of calls to action, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Okay, a lot of people signed up for this sheet. Nobody signed up for that thing. Why might that be? And I think what you're also saying before a point I really want to drive home, which is so brilliant, is that how is your video or on YouTube or your social media strategy anywhere, really reflecting what it is that you need and how you want people to engage with you. So I have people tell me all the time, kind of the opposite of what you shared, right? Which is what everyone just wants to do volunteer days with us. Okay. I hear this all the time. Everyone just wants to volunteer. No one wants to give. Well, if you look at their social media, All they're showcasing all the time are volunteer opportunities. So no wonder that's the level of inquiry, which actually I did not fully get, like solidify until you said that. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. So really being intentional about how what you're sharing on these social platforms relates to your goals as an organization is just such a critical thing. And so I just appreciate you kind of stating that so bluntly. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I think it's so important. And then you can even do the same thing whenever you segment into your email list too, right? So you can add check boxes saying, I'm interested in volunteering. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in giving. Then you can also send different types of information that way too, if you wanted to. That could be a little bit meta, depending on the <laughs> resources that some orgs have. But, you know, like just, it just makes it more easier to, to, to deliver information that people are going to definitely like receive. And then it gives you even more information on like, like what segment of your like list is interested in giving. What segment of your list is interested in volunteering? Who's interested in both, right? Where are mm-hmm. they, right? Um, stuff, mm-hmm. stuff like that could be really helpful. And that's just, just like, like a next level type of thing. Yeah. I think the first level is getting the social media strategy together and the positioning and then like the email marketing strategy can come secondary based upon like your lead magnet structure and things like that. But it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even what you were saying before made me think about like the kind of like real trends that happen, right. With like people jumping and being in different clothes at different times or whatever. And, you know, when I think about things like that, I'm like, okay, well, what is the goal of having a reel like that? In my opinion, and tell me if you disagree, a goal of having a reel like that is to show people that you're fun right? Like you want to show people that you're fun and you're lighthearted. And so if that is your goal, if you're struggling with that, and I have had organizations where the view of them is very serious, right? And so maybe for them actually doing some funny reels like that would help with their brand in terms of like letting people know that they are lighthearted and fun. But if you're if what you're trying to do is solidify your reputation as a thought leader in something, then like probably don't do more reels of you jumping in different outfits, right? Like, like that might be a different type. And that's where I think YouTube really comes in as such a critical piece because of the SEO component, because of the ability to be more authentic and organic and maybe go a little bit deeper, which actually brings me to kind of like a quick surface level question, which is, do you have a recommendation around the length of time of folks' videos? Yeah. So I like to suggest starting out with five to seven minutes, right? Keep it very, very easy. Five to seven minutes. Now, most of my videos are 14 minutes long, but that's just because I talk a lot, girl. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I'm also like teaching something, right? I'm, right. I'm teaching concepts. I'm like, all of my YouTube videos are like so much value. I like, it's crazy, right? But anyone starting out, five to seven minute videos, right? Maybe start in answering a question, right? And that's just enough time for you to introduce yourself, have a call to action, to talk about the question at hand, include a call to action, close it out, mm-hmm. right? That's probably like, like a good five to seven minute video right there. Yeah. Right. What would you say? Okay. So that's perfect. So I want people to, you know, not walk away with that. What would you say to an organization if they said, because I love what you just said, like I give a lot of value on my videos. So like, what about people who are afraid of giving it all away for free? Mm. So this is the funny, so this is the funny thing. I am not, it all depends. So again, it it depends on the positioning, right? So what is Mm. our specialty? What are we doing? Right. Mm. And so for me, my services, for example, just to use me as an example, my services are done for you and also like a 90 minute intensive. Right. And so it's like, cool. So my services are more so strategy focused. Right. Mm. So so my content is kind of is 
preparing people to get them ready for strategy, right? Mm. That's kind of what I give away. I give away like how to start your, your channel, seven mistakes to avoid when starting your channel. Like I'm giving away information because like what's happening is that everyone just doesn't start getting ready for a strategy, right? What I've noticed, and this is through market research, right? I've noticed that through my audience, they and they tend to start their channels by themselves, right? They think that they that that, that they don't need someone like me to show them how to press a few buttons to start their ch- their channel, right? Feel that, don't blame them, right? <laughs> right? And then sometimes that they may post one or two videos. They they may try to do five by themselves, right? Jamar is talking about me right now, by the way, one hundred percent. Oh my god! Keep it going. <laughs> And so maybe they post like four to five videos, right? They get like 30 views. They're like, okay, cool. But then they stop because it gets to a point after you do five videos and you don't, and you don't have solid expectations. You start thinking, I'm wasting my time. What am I doing on this platform? Right. And so this is when they start searching for how to grow my channel, how to do this, how to do that, how to do that. Well, all the answers to that is a strategy, right? And so I get them when they're in that stage. I hope that makes sense. And so I'm not really giving away everything, but even if I did, they would try it, but then it wouldn't it wouldn't do exactly what they want it to, to do, right? So in my head, I always think, think about the position that you want to put your channel in. Like, so think about like, what is your positioning strategy around everything? Like, yes, there are certain how-tos, certain things, but you don't have to talk about everything in your niche, mm. right? How can you attract the people that you want, right? Mm-hmm. And I want the people to see me when they are ready for strategy, right? So I want to mm. get them ready and get them primed. So like to where like by the time that they come to me, they probably have their channel made. They probably put out a few videos. Now I have data to look inside their analytics mm. to kind of see what, what went wrong there. Okay. I love that because I I think for nonprofits too, that's actually a really important point, which is to identify what types of content. Now they're probably like, well, what do you mean? Give it away for free? Cause it's different in the nonprofit sector. But even when we think about assets and organizations, right? A lot of times what I'm talking about are like assets with a ton of value that you could monetize, right? So fostering organizations have all these staff on site who are dog trainers, right? That's a marketable asset of the organization that they could use to drive corporate sponsorships that they could use, you know, to drive monthly donors, all of these different things. So, okay. So figure out then what types of little dog training videos do you want to do for free on YouTube and what pieces of the training or the application, you know, whether it's a one-on-one dog training session with one of your people or something like that, that you really want to sort of keep in your back pocket as the second layer of access, right? So if you have big thought leaders on your board of directors and you want them to do a quick YouTube video about something that they're a thought leader on, but then they get access to those board members if they become a part of this giving circle, for example, right? So really thinking about, and that again, just come, I mean, I think the thing that you are hammering home that is so important is like strategy strategy, strategy, you know? So going back to the very beginning of like why we wanted to do part two was like, okay, so we talked about all the attract, right? Like get them here. They know about you, but then you need to convert them. You need to convert them to be your people. That doesn't always mean giving, right? Sometimes it means just getting them on that list, which means you have to make an invitation 
situation. And then I really feel like people got a little bonus here with us going deep into that scarcity conversation, because I think that is such a critical barrier that comes up around this conversion piece. So I'm super happy that we went there and I know we could talk all day, but I want to be conscientious of your time. But maybe before I ask that final question, any other things you want to make sure that people really walk away with from this kind of conversion conversation? I just think that we have to focus on not being afraid to ask for the touch to ask for the money, ask for the donation, ask for the thing, right? What is the goal? Ask them for that thing to get you closer to your goal. We can put out all the content in the world and not do anything if we don't ask them for what we need, need from them. So just always ask, always have that call to action in your video. Awesome. Okay. Amazing. And this is cool because you, because we did this in two parts, you get two organizations. So I love ending these episodes with an invitation for folks to share about an organization that they love and why. And for those who are listening, if they feel called to do so, to go look them up and give. So I'll, I'll pass it to you to share with us today. Yeah. So I am going to stick with my right to, to my other one still, because I love them so much and I just want them to have all the visibility in the world. But the Norfolk LGBT Life Center, they do so much for the community here in Norfolk, Virginia, all the way from like from HIV testing to also helping teens that have been like kicked out or displaced. Like they do a lot for this community and people just don't recognize them enough. And I want to just Tell more, tell more people about them as much as possible. I love it. Oh, I love it. Thank you so, so, so much for doing this. I'm really excited, as I keep saying, for everyone to just learn about YouTube, I feel like, for the first time. So how can people find you? How can people work with you? I'll put links below as well. Yes, of course. So you guys follow me on YouTube, obviously, and you can easily find me by either searching for Jamar Diggs or going to jamardiggs.com slash YouTube. Also follow me on Instagram at Jamar Diggs. My Instagram stories are pretty lit. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and if you're thinking about starting your YouTube channel and just want to to be set up like the right way. I um, definitely want to invite everyone to download my YouTube starter guide. It's an 18-ish minute video that kind of walks you through all of like the backend stuff to make sure that you're set up for success. Awesome. It's amazing. You guys, I have the starter kit. It's amazing. You should go do that right now and then learn about the other ways that you can work with Jamar. Jamar, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so excited for this to get released soon and just so grateful for you and all that you do to support mission focused people organizations. So thank you. All right, friends, I hope you have had as many aha moments in this episode as I did. I am reeling with the potential for nonprofits when they get on YouTube and teach and invite those watching into their organizations. Inviting people into your organization is a gift. If they arrived at YouTube because they want to learn more about a problem that your organization addresses, then you owe it to them to give them the opportunity to get more involved, including funding right? Including giving to your organization. When we really take a step back and think about it, good fundraising is about inviting people in to solve a problem together, right? That both people want to see solved. And YouTube is such an untapped resource for identifying that alignment and making invitations. 
I'm so excited. If you are thinking that there were so many details that you weren't able to keep track of or take away, we have all the detailed show notes for you over at malloryerickson.com backslash podcast, as well as a lot more tips for my 15 years of fundraising. You'll also find more information about Jamar there, including a link to jamardigs.com so you can find out about working with him as well. Most importantly, thank you for spending this time with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would subscribe to this channel and go and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts as well. I am so grateful for all of my listeners, especially you, and the good hard work you're doing to make this world a better place. If you miss me between episodes or want to come say hi, hop on over to Instagram, what the fundraising underscore. Have a great day, and I'll see you next week.